Well, today we're going to continue our series called Strong and Courageous, Enter in the New Normal. And the title of this second message in this series is The Tension of Our Testimony. We're going to be basing ourselves today in Joshua chapter 2, verse 8 to 14. This is what it says. Before the spies went out to sleep that night, Rahab went up onto the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We're all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did in Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight you after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I've helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. A few weeks ago, I had my hair cut and as you can probably tell, I probably need it again very soon. But I was sitting in the chair and I was chatting to my hairdresser. I've had the same hairdresser for about a year or so now and uh, I've got to know him quite well. We've become quite good friends and, uh, you know, we usually chat about everyday life things and usually football. That's what we usually talk about. He has asked me what I do for a job and I've told him that I'm a pastor. But that conversation was quickly shut down a few months ago. But I was having my haircut about three weeks ago and uh, again, we were just talking about football, looking forward to the Euros, having a chat about that. I was asking him how his job was going. And then out of the blue, out of nowhere, he asked me how I ended up becoming a pastor, how I ended up coming into this role. Now, I was excited about this because I've been praying for this opportunity to share with him about Jesus and what Jesus has done in my life. But I was also nervous as well. As he asked that question, thoughts began to run through my mind and I began to think about, you know, what if I don't say the right things? What if what I'm going to share now isn't clear? What if I mess something up? What if I don't get it right? What if he doesn't come to know Jesus? You know, this is the tension of sharing our testimony. I'm sure if you're a Christian and you're watching this, you've experienced that. It can be awkward sometimes to share about our story, about what Jesus has done in our lives. And maybe you're watching this and you're not a Christian, but even listening to people's testimony and story of how they came to know Jesus, maybe that's awkward for you or it's an awkward conversation to bring up because sometimes we don't like to bring up the big questions in life. But my hairdresser asked me how I ended up becoming a pastor. And so I had the amazing opportunity to share with him my testimony. As I said, I was a little bit nervous. I was afraid. I always am. But I ended up sharing my testimony with him and I was so glad that I did. I shared it simply. I was real with him. I was honest with him. I didn't sugarcoat it or add religious slang to it. I just gave it to him as it was simply and shared with him what Jesus had done in my life. And I also went on to share with him just some stories about what God has done in my life, even in recent times and in difficult times. And I ended up sharing with him just for about five minutes or so. You know, I've heard a, a pastor say before that if we can't share the gospel within four minutes, then is it really the true gospel? And uh, so I managed to fit it all in with a few stories in about five minutes. Now, I'd like to stand here today and tell you that my hairdresser then was compelled 
to ask me, how can I come to know Jesus? I'd love to tell you today that my hairdresser gave his life to following Jesus. But unfortunately, that is not the case. But you know, something that did encourage me after our conversation was that my hairdresser said, I've never heard anybody talk about God like the way you have. I didn't know God was like this. And I thought that that was such an answer to pray. He'd never heard about God in that way. And he didn't know that God was a God who loves us and cares for us and sent his son to die for us. He didn't know nothing about that. And so I thank God for this opportunity I've had to share with him the good news of Jesus, how Jesus died for me, how Jesus rose again for me, how he's forgiven me, how I have a hope and a future. It was an amazing opportunity and you know I pray that even in the next couple of weeks and in the next couple of months I'll have continue to have more opportunities to share with him about Jesus it was an incredible moment and I thank God for that but you know a few minutes later after I had my hair cut and he had gone a few minutes after that I began to think about all the other missed opportunities that I've had in recent weeks recent months recent years to share about Jesus. Even this past week, I've had an opportunity and you know, I thought, oh, I've missed that opportunity. I could have shared a little bit more. I could have said something in a clearer way. You know, I, I sometimes do that in my own life when I've had an opportunity to share about Jesus. And you know, I think the reality is we all can be like that, can't we? That is the tension of sharing our testimony. You know, we want to tell people about Jesus. We want to share the good news, the life transforming news of what God has done in our lives. But we can also be afraid at times as well. It can be hard about what we're, it can be hard, especially when we come to think about what we're going to say to our family members, our friends, our work colleagues, our schoolmates, even the cashier in the supermarket, people we bump into that waitress or that waiter in the restaurant. It can be hard to bring up this conversation on times. It can be a difficult conversation to bring up. And as I said, maybe you're watching this and Maybe you're not a Christian, but you've had some of those awkward conversations as well. And I do apologise. We do apologise that it has been so awkward and it shouldn't be. But sometimes it is. We can be afraid of doing that. And the reason we're afraid is more often than not, we're afraid that people will reject it. They'll reject the message or they'll mock us for sharing the message. Sometimes and more often than not, we're afraid that when we share our testimony and what God has done in our lives, it might ruin our relationship with that person, with that friend, with that family member. But sometimes as well, if we're being honest, we can be hesitant to share about what God has done in our lives, share the good news of Jesus, sometimes because people don't act like us. They don't behave like us. They don't look like us. So we think sometimes maybe, you know, we shouldn't stay, we should stay away from those type of people. It's an awful, awful thing. And it's no excuse really. But sometimes there is the tension with our testimony. We want to tell people, but we're afraid to. But I wonder, have you ever thought about what could happen if you do share your testimony and that person responds to the message? Have you ever thought about the amazing thing that could happen? I've experienced that in my life where I've seen a few people respond to the good news of Jesus. I've absolutely loved that. That is the best thing that any Christian would want to see. Not just a pastor, even though I am a pastor. Any Christian. That should be our number one goal. And number one heart's desire is to see people come to know Jesus. But have you thought about the amazing thing that could happen if you shared with your family member, if you shared with your friend, that work colleague? You know, as we come to this passage of scripture today in Joshua chapter 2, we see what can really happen, the amazing thing 
that can happen when we share about God, when people hear about God, when they discover who God is and what he can do and what he has done for us. We see in this passage the amazing thing that can happen when that takes place. And I pray today, maybe you're watching this and you're not a Christian. I pray today that you will just open up your heart, open up your ears to hear what God might say. God wants to reveal himself to you today. And I pray that you will be amazed as well of how amazing our God is. There is none like him. Now, last time in the first message, we seen how Joshua, in Joshua chapter 1, it was the opening of this book. We seen how Moses, the servant of God, the leader of the people of Israel, he had died. Just as he was about to lead over a million people into a new land, into a new home, he died. And now God had called this young man called Joshua. Joshua was actually Moses, his assistant, and uh, he had called, God had called Joshua to lead the people of Israel. He was going to be the one who would lead the people of Israel into the promised land. Now we must realise there, God didn't call Joshua because he ran out of options or because there was nobody else or just because he seemed like, you know, a relatively young guy. But actually, God had been preparing Joshua for many, many years. As I said, Joshua was Moses' assistant. He served under Moses. He saw how Moses led. He had a relationship with God. Joshua was somebody who loved the presence of God, who knew God for himself. God specifically and deliberately chose Joshua for this task. But it was a huge responsibility. But in Joshua chapter 1, God gets right, right to the point. He moves on and he begins to give Joshua instructions about how he's going to lead his people into the promised land. He gives them instructions and he also encourages Joshua. And then at the end of Joshua chapter 1, we see how Joshua passes on these instructions to the people of Israel. And he encourages them as well and says that God is going to be with us. He'll lead us. He'll fight for us. He's going to be with us and he'll give us this land that he has promised us. However, now we come to Joshua chapter 2 and they're on this one side. They're on the riverbank of the Jordan River and on the other side is the promised land. However, in Joshua chapter 2, before we read that before the people of Israel cross over the Jordan River into the promised land, before they step into that, we see and we read that Joshua, he sends secretly two spies into the land. He wants these two men to go and scout out the land and in particular have a look at the main city in that land which was called Jericho. So he sends these two spies to go and scout out the land. Now I do want to say in this moment that the reason why Joshua sent these spies wasn't because of a lack of faith in God or God's promise. But actually it shows us how faithful Joshua was and how Joshua wanted to be prepared and ready. He wanted information about this land so that he could effectively lead the people of God into the land. And it's a good thing for us to be a people who are prepared and organised. God likes us to be like that within our lives. So Joshua sends these spies into the land and tells them to report back anything that they find about the land. Now, during their investigation, as they come to the city of Jericho, they scout out the city of Jericho. We don't know what quite happens, but the Bible tells us that they end up visiting the house of a lady called Rahab. But this lady, she is a prostitute. And the, the spies are there for a short time. And after some time of them being there in this prostitute's house, news spreads that two spies have come from the Israelite camp. Two Israels, uh, Israelites have come and they've come to scout out the land. 
And the king of Jericho hears this and hears that they had entered into Rahab's house. So he sends a word to Rahab. He sends a message to her with some guards to get the Israelite spies out so they could kill the Israelite spies. So these guards, they knock the door and they say, look, we know that you have, have the spies in your house. Send them out for us because the king wants the spies. But I love what happens next. I love what Rahab does in this moment. Listen to what it says in Joshua 2, verse 4 to 7. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I, didn't, I don't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry up, you could probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath the bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. We read here that Rahab, she didn't turn these two Israelite spies in. Now you might wonder, why didn't she do this? Why didn't she hand them over to the king of Jericho? Why did she decide to hide them on her roof under some bales of hay, under some flax? Why did she decide to do that? Well, the reason why she didn't do that was because she mentions here how she had heard about their God. She had heard stories, the people of Jericho, all the people in this new promised land had heard about the people of Israel and their God, the one true God, the living God. They heard stories about God and the people. And Rahab says and tells uh, this Israelite spies that they, they were afraid and all the people within Jericho were gripped with fear because of the mighty things that our God had done for his people at that time. Listen to verse 9 to 11 in Joshua 2. She says, I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We're all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord, your God, is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Rahab says here, I've heard the stories. I've heard about your God. The people of Jericho have heard about your God. The people in this land have heard about your God and the amazing things that he's done. We've heard how God parted the Red Seas for you. We've heard how God provided for you and gave you victory over these Amorite kings. We've heard how your God is faithful to you. He protects you. He is powerful. He is almighty. He is supreme, not only in the heavens above, but also in the earth below. And she says to them, the people are quaked with fear. But listen to what she says next. She says, I viewed all of this about your God. But listen to what she says next, verse 12 to 13. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother and brothers and sisters and all their families. Rahab hears about the living God. She hears about our God. She hears about what God has done. And she asks the spies to be merciful. When they come in and occupy the land, when they come to take the land that God has given them, she says, please be merciful for me, to me. I know that your God has promised you this land, so please spare me, please spare my family. She asks the spies and God to show her mercy. And she says, look, I'm going to let you go. 
I'm not going to tell anybody where you are, even though I've told the king of Jericho's guards to go away. I've misled them. I might have lied to them. But she says, look, I'm going to let you go freely as long as you promise me that you won't let anything happen, that you won't let God do anything to me, that God will show his kindness and mercy towards me. And I love what happens next, verse 14 to 21. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us this land. Then, since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then, when you have returned, you can go on your way. Before they left, the men told her, We will be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet robe hanging from the window through which you let us down. All and all your family members, your father, mother, brothers and all your relatives must hide, must be here inside the house. If they go out into the street and they are killed, it will not be our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on people inside this house, we will accept the responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we are not bound by this oath in any way. I accept your terms, she replied. And she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. And what happens after this story? They do go, they're safe, they return back to Joshua, they give him the report. And then later on we see how our God is merciful towards Rahab. God responds to the faith of Rahab. Rahab, she was a prostitute. She was somebody who lived an immoral life. But she heard about who our God is. She heard about what God can do. She heard about God. She asked for mercy and for God to save her. And God responded to her faith. God responded and showed mercy towards her and all her family. Because we'll read in a few weeks time in Joshua chapter 6. That when the people march on Jericho and the walls of Jericho come tumbling down and they destroy the city. There's one part of the wall that remains and it was the part of the wall of Rahab's house. Rahab's house was protected. Her and her whole family were saved by our God. It's absolutely incredible. We see here that that word, that news that had gotten to Rahab, that good news that she had heard about God and about what God can do, it saved her. She heard the good news and that scarlet thread we see there, she was saved by that because it was dangling on the outside. God had saved her. God remembered her. God had provided for her and her entire life had completely changed. She was somebody who had messed up, somebody who was a prostitute, somebody who lived the wrong life. But God had mercy upon her and God saved her. She placed her faith and trust in him. You know, in the same way today, when others here in our lives today, all these thousands of years later, when others hear about what God has done in our lives, they also will want to have a closer look at Christianity. They'll also want to know about our God. I've discovered that even in recent weeks. Sadly, as I said, even at the beginning of this message, sometimes we think that, you know, we have a list in our heads of the types of people that God can save and the types that God can't. God can save, you know, good people and people who do good deeds, but he can't save those who have messed up with their lives. Murderers, adulterers, God can't save them. God can't forgive them. Sometimes we think that God can't save drug addicts. God can't save those who are in debt, financial debt, those who have messed up. God can't save the worst of the worst. But that is not the case. 
That is not the truth of the gospel. That is not the good news. That is bad news. If God's only come for a certain type of people, religious people, church going people, then the rest of us are all done for because I didn't, I didn't deserve God's mercy or God's forgiveness. But John 3.16 tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We see in the story that Rahab, she's a wicked person. She's a prostitute living in a wicked city. You'd think that she'd be the last person not only to put her trust in God, but for God to show mercy towards. But as this passage clearly shows, no one is too far away from God for God to rescue and for God to save God is able to rescue. And maybe you're watching this today and maybe you feel like you've messed up. You've ruined your life. You've done for and God will never forgive you. God will never accept you. You can never darken the doors of a church. Actually know that our God has come exactly for you and me. He's come not for those who think they are good and they're right in their own eyes. He's come to seek and save that which is lost. As it says in the Gospel of Luke, Romans chapter 5 verse 20 says this. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. God showed mercy towards Rahab. And you know what's incredible about Rahab? Not only did God save Rahab, but in Matthew chapter 1, in the Gospel of Matthew, right in the first chapter, we see the ancestry of Jesus, the lineage of Jesus and guess who's in the lineage of Jesus Christ? Rahab. She is part of the family of Jesus Christ. It is absolutely incredible how God used this lady, how God responded to her faith and transformed her life. And she's only one of four other women who are mentioned in Christ's lineage. And we need to realise today as we look at this and as we, uh, as we come around this passage today, that no one is too far from the grace of God. No one is too far away that God can't rescue, that God can't save, that God can't love. And Paul says to Timothy, even in his letter there, that just as God has saved us, God has forgiven us, God saved me, God's rescued me, he can save you also. He can save the worst of the worst. Our God is a master in doing that. He transforms lives and our life should be an example to all those who don't know Jesus of what God can do in our lives. May we not be people who keep this good news just to ourselves or inside the church building, but may we make this our mission as well, to tell people about our God, about how amazing he is, how loving he is, how gracious he is, how awesome he is, how powerful he is. May we make that our mission as well. So as we come to a conclusion of the second message in this series today, maybe you are watching this today and you are a Christian. I want to encourage you to share your testimony. Yes, there can be a tension. Yes, it can be difficult. Yes, it can be awkward. But God will give you everything that you need. It's not our job to save people. Our job is only to spread the good news of Jesus. It's between God and the person, the Holy Spirit and that person, if they make the decision. All we are called to do is make Jesus known, make him known everywhere and every day. That's what God has called you to do if you're a follower of Jesus. It isn't just the responsibility of a pastor, a church leader, a worship leader. It's the responsibility of every single Christian, of you and me today. God has called us. And as we enter into this new normal, this world which is changing around us, I believe that we have more opportunities than ever to share about Jesus. You know, I've had four opportunities in the last month just to share about Jesus. 
That's more the, than I've ever had on a regular basis. It seems to be one every single week that I've had an opportunity to share about Jesus with. More people than ever are open to the good news of Jesus. You know, even Evangelical Alliance, they did a survey recently and they said over the last year and a half since COVID has hit, 59% of churches in the UK saw an increase in people interested in finding out more about Jesus and Christianity. Isn't that amazing? There are more people than ever. We have a greater opportunity than ever to tell people about Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus, let's ask God to fill us with his spirit, give us boldness and share this good news. Let's make Jesus known everywhere and every day. Let's know him, but make him known. But also, I believe that God wants to speak to somebody today. You're watching this and you've lost all hope. Your life is messed up. You've messed up too many times. You've sinned. You've ruined your life and you think it's over. God will never forgive you. God will never accept you. You know, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, all of sin, all fall short of the glory of God. I've messed up. I've sinned. You've sinned. We all have sinned. But you know, God in his love and grace came to take our sin upon himself. That's why Jesus came. He lived the perfect life that you and I could never live. He took our sins upon himself. He died on the cross in our place, took the wrath of God, the punishment that we deserved, so we could be forgiven. And he rose again three days later, conquering sin and the power of sin and the enemy over our lives. And if we would place our faith and trust in him, like Rahab did, then we can know the forgiveness of all our sins. We can have hope of eternal life. We can be forgiven and know our eternity is secure. It's not about doing good things. It's about receiving Jesus into your life. God didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. And we we're all dead in our sins. But Jesus came to raise us to a new life in and through him. And I want you to know today that you're not too far away. That the, God, the grace of God cannot reach you. God's grace will pursue you all the days of your life. God goes after the lost. He has come to seek and save that which is lost. God is a master in turning our tests into our testimony. He is a master of turning our messes, messes into a message. That is what our God is a master of doing. And so I wonder today, will you trust in Jesus? Will you ask him to forgive you? Will you ask him into your life? Will you place your faith and trust in him? And watch how God will turn around your life for your good and for his glory. Amen.